There we go. Hey, Aaron, do you know why there aren't any knock-knock jokes about America? Because freedom rings. He said that joke. I love that joke. More than once this week. That's my favorite America knock-knock joke. I've got a bunch of them. I got a lot of them because freedom. See, freedom rings. Get it? Freedom rings. It doesn't knock. Okay. Okay. I, I could do. I could do this all day. Which. All right. Well, our our text this morning is going to come from Galatians, Galatians chapter five, verses one, and then verses uh, thirteen through twenty-six. Galatians chapter five, verse one, then thirteen through twenty-six. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. For you are called to freedom, brothers and sisters, not only to use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love to become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single command, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Live by the Spirit, I say, do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit. What the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these things are opposed to each other, to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, angers, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you as I warned you before. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Gentleness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no loss against such things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing with one another, envying one another. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I think it's appropriate that the lectionary this week, as we are on the verge of fourth, the 4th of July tomorrow, talks about freedom. I think it's a very appropriate concept for us to think about on, this, uh, on the verge of the, on the eve of this great national holiday. where We as Americans come together tomorrow to celebrate our freedoms and to thank God for the nation in which we live and to consider our duty as citizens. So the text today talks about freedom. And freedom is such an interesting and powerful concept. Talk about being free. Um, You know, it's interesting. I think about freedom and how when I was a kid, you know, I thought, gosh, you know, wouldn't it be great when I'm older? And I could eat donuts for every meal. Boy, wouldn't that be great. And of course, you grow up, you go to school, and science teaches you you shouldn't just eat donuts. But you know you have to do the right thing, and so you can't eat donuts for every meal. You get married, and sometimes you get married to a dietitian. You know, and they tell you you can't have donuts all the time. Things like that. But then, y'all, 
Then there are moments. There are these moments that are almost God-ordained. Where it's like, it's like a light from heaven shines upon your path. And your wife goes out of town. <laughs> and you can take your children and just eat donuts till you're sick of eating donuts. And friend, though, friends, those are good days. Those are good, good days. So you have the freedom in that moment to do what you want. You are not bound by others. You get to eat what you want and do what you want. And you are truly free to live as you want. Because isn't that what freedom means? That I get to do what I want. You know, as a kid, you think when I'm a grown-up, I can do what I want when I want to. We think, gosh, now I am truly free to do exactly what I choose to do. Free to live like I want. Free to live with my choices. Free to do only the things that I want to do. Freedom, right? what freedom means we think freedom today in the text we see Paul talking about freedom you have been set free you're not bound by the law anymore we're free so as Christians obviously doesn't that mean that we get to do what we want when we want how we want They say in times of old, the most quoted verse of Scripture was John 3.16. For God so loved the world. Barna Research Group, a, a a group that researches the church and the Christian world, tells us now the most quoted verse in all the Bible is, Judge, lest not ye be judged yourself. So we now live in an age, we live, you know, freedom to do what we want. How we want. I mean, isn't that what Paul's talking about today? Paul went on to write that we have been called to freedom, but that we must not, as believers, use that freedom for self indulgence, which, as Andy pointed out, it seems so opposite of what the world tells us. Because the world says to eat all the donuts you want to eat. The world says Thank to, you, Lord. Amen. The, wor- the world says to do what you want, to say what you want, to not concern ourselves with how our actions and our words affect others as long as it makes us happy. That's what the world says. That's how we often look at the word freedom. How we freely choose to make our lives better for ourselves. We don't have to look at another person's problems. And when the world starts showing us ways that we can enjoy ourselves, and we as believers start thinking, well, is that getting close to that word that we don't like to say called sin? Then the world helps us rationalize, but you're a believer, and so therefore, don't you believe that God's grace is really big? 
And don't you believe that God is always ready to forgive? So just do what you want now. Ask for forgiveness later. That's how we often look at freedom. Do what we want now. Ask for forgiveness later. And then here comes Paul with today's text. And often when I read Paul's letters, I think about the movie The Lion King. Because when I think about the movie The Lion King, I think of Mufasa calling out to Simba. Remember who you are. After Simba has lost his way, his father comes to him in a vision and says, Remember who you are. And that's what Paul likes to do. He likes to say, now this is what the world says, but remember who you are, brothers and sisters in Christ. Remember whose you are. And then Paul lifts up in today's text the golden rule. And what is the golden rule? Come on, y'all know it. What is the golden rule? And the short version is love your neighbor as yourself. We know that answer really well, don't we? Because whenever anyone asks us, how is a Christian supposed to act, we can throw out the golden rule. In Sunday school and classes, we want that question where we know that answer. But how often does... The golden rule just becomes something that we say instead of something that our freedom, how we live our lives, shows others who believers are. What does our freedom say about who we know Jesus to be? Do we use our freedom for self-indulgence? Or do we use our freedom to love others as we would love ourselves? That seems so hard. How can we do this? C.S. Lewis says, as long as there is free will, there will be evil. For as long as we have a choice, that implies that we can choose good or bad. So today, in the text we read, Paul lays in front of us a choice. He lays in front of us two paths. That we will, in our life, bear fruit. You're going to bear fruit of some sort. As the great theologian Bob Dylan once said, you've got to serve somebody. So the question in our life is, well, who do we serve? So Paul, Paul lays in front of us this morning two choices. He says the first choice is to live only for us. To live according to our flesh and our desires and our wants, which looks so appealing My goodness, donuts every meal, that's phenomenal. It looks great. But it leads to destruction. Temptation always looks good, doesn't it? I I tell folks, nobody's tempted to eat broccoli. (laughs) Hey, nobody's looking. There's some broccoli. Mm. I mean, no one's tempted to do right, are you, are you? The voice in your head never whispers, hey, hey, 
Get up early and read your Bible. The voice tells us to sleep in, doesn't it? The voice tells us to do things that are destructive to ourselves. See, see, that's the thing about evil. That's the thing about self-indulgence. That's the thing about choosing to be yoked to the flesh is that in the end it's destructive. And that's... Max Lucado said this one time, said, the reason why God hates sin so much is because sin destroys God's children. The thing, Tim Keller talks about disordered lives. If they, whatever is on the, th- the throne of your heart, if it is not God, it will, in the end, destroy you and destroy those you love. Sin is corrosive, and it looks so appealing. It looks so good. Self-indulgence, living for us, looks so appealing. It looks like it's life. It looks like it's phenomenal. It looks like it will grant us what we want. But in the end, when we read through what Paul talks about, the works of the flesh are quarreling, enmity, jealousy, fits of rage. Those things are hurtful to us and those that we love. But the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, these things are life-giving to us and to others. When we live ourselves under the authority of the Spirit, we find life. We find We find purpose. We find hope. We find the thing that the world seeks to offer to us, but that only turns us empty. When we live under the Spirit, we find life. When we live under the flesh, it looks so good. It looks so tempting. But it destroys us. I always joke, I was raised, don't make promises. Because my mama used to never make me promises. Because I always say, I'm not going to break. The only thing I got is my word. And I'm not going to break my word to you. I'm not. If I promise you something, if I don't do it, I'm dead. I mean, that's just how I'm wired. So my kids, they want me to do something. They'll say, hey, do you promise? Because I know if I promise, I'm going to do it. You want to be miserable in life? You want to alienate all that you love? You want to push away everybody that matters in your life? Live only for, your fle- only for your flesh and only for yourself. Live only for what you want. Live only for your desires. Live only for that which makes you happy. And I promise you, you will be miserable. It looks tempting, but it's destructive. I heard Bishop Ward say one time, this quote's always stuck with me. Bishop Ward said this one time. She said, temptation promises short-term pleasure but result in long-term destruction. Discipline promises short-term pain, but results in long-term life. We have freedom, y'all. But that freedom plays out in our choice. With your freedom, what do you choose to do? How do you choose to live? Do you choose to live for God and others? Or do we, do I, do I choose to live just for Andy?
But our freedom is more than just about how it affects us and how it affects our lives. How we live out our freedom is important because how we live out our freedom tells others who we know Jesus to be. Because either we know Jesus to be someone who just offers cheap grace because we just keep doing what we want with the mentality of asking for forgiveness later because he doesn't change how we live now. Or we know Jesus to be someone who is worthy of us thinking about how we live our lives each and every day. We think Jesus worthy of thinking before we speak about how our words impact someone else. About how our actions impact someone else. About how we spend our money. About what we put in our body. About who we associate with. About how we spend our time. All of this starts to matter. Because our whole life is a witness. To who we know Jesus Christ to be. Not just when we come to church on Sunday mornings. Or when we participate in church activities. Our witness is our entire life. That is why our freedom matters. Because when we know who Jesus Christ is, we know how God chose to use his freedom. Because God does not need us. God doesn't need us. But God created us. And in spite of the fact that time and time again throughout history, we all fail. God still chose to love. God still said, I'm not going anywhere. And with his freedom, God came into our world. God came into our time and he took on flesh. And he lived a human life just like us. Jesus faced temptation just like us. He didn't come to live an easy life. He came to live a human life. To face the same struggles that we face. To feel the same heartache. And to show us how we are called to live. Who we are called to be as children of the living God. With his freedom, Jesus made time for those the religious people thought were unclean and unworthy. And Jesus let them know that they mattered. With his time, Jesus chose to heal the sick, to feed the hungry, to visit those who were alone. Jesus spent his time letting every person he encountered know that God is there for them too. This is how God used his freedom to love, to serve us. And with his freedom, one night, Jesus took on a servant's task, one that was beneath everyone else in the room. 
when he knelt down and washed his disciples' dirty feet. It was a servant's task, and yet that is what he did. He even washed the feet of the disciple he knew was going to that very night betray him. That's what he chose to freely do, to wash the feet of a disciple he loved despite knowing what Judas would do. And then it was out of his freedom that Jesus carried a cross that he knew would be used to kill him. That he knew would be used for him to experience a human death. Jesus, God in flesh, experienced a human death. And he freely chose that. So that we would know how far God will go to love and serve us. Because God used his freedom to give us life, to give us grace, to let us know that we are never too far gone. This is why our freedom matters. Because of how we freely choose to spend our lives, it will tell others who we know the living Lord to be. Our freedom matters. The question is how each of us will spend that freedom each and every day. Let us pray. Lord, you came to this earth to freely love us, to remind us just how worthy how worthy we are to be your children. You came to show us how to live. And for that, Lord, we are thankful. And we just pray for your strength and your guidance so that each day we may live our lives with the freedom choosing you over the things of this world. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. This, a few weeks back when I was at Wesley Pines, we con- concluded one of our services with communion. And one of the kids came up to me before the service and said, Brother Andy, why do we take communion? I said, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked. Why do we take communion? Well, first, and I don't mean this to be facetious, but we take communion because Jesus said to. And I think as believers, those that follow Christ, if he says do it, we should do it. That's one reason. But secondly, it's what this meal is about. You know, we're going to talk in a minute when Aaron tells the story about how it, this is a remembrance. You know, the, his body was broken. His blood poured out. It's a remembrance of, what the, of the real, as, as Aaron said, the real and tangible price that Jesus Christ paid so that our sins could be forgiven. It says in Isaiah, upon him was placed the iniquities of us all. And by his wounds we are healed. So we, when we take this meal, we remember what he did. But unfortunately with communion, that's sometimes where we stop. We stop there. 
And it's sad. It's kind of like I tell folks, you watch the first, the Star Wars movies. If, the, if Star Wars ended after Empire Strikes Back, it'd be sad. Like, oh man, that's kind of depressing. Jesus' story does not end at the cross. But he was resurrected. And he ascended. And one day he'll come back. And he tells the disciples before he is tr- Before he's betrayed, he says, I will not drink of this fruit again till I drink of it. See, one day, y'all, one day we're all going to gather around the wedding feast of the Lamb. And one day we'll gather with those that we love who have gone before. And one day we will sit at our master's table forever, feasting and laughing and enjoying him and each other. So this meal is not just a remembrance of what he has done, but it is a looking forward to of what he is going to do one day. This is not just a meal of memorial, but this is a meal of celebration. For one day, every tear will be wiped away. And one day, death and pain will be no more. And one day, we'll cross over Jordan and be with the Lord forever. So this is not just a meal of memorial. This is a meal of celebration. As the Gospel of John says, For God so loved the world that he sent his only Son, so that whosoever believed in him would have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world in order for the world to be condemned, but so that the world would be saved. And knowing this, Jesus came and lived. And it was at a table with his disciples one night that he took bread. And he broke it. And he said, this is my body that I will willingly break for all of you. So that you may know the depth, height, width, and length of God's love for you. And then he took a cup. He said, this is my blood, my love that I will pour out so that you may know that you have been washed clean by your God. And when the supper was over, Jesus went and he prayed until his disciple betrayed him. And days later, he was crucified. Everyone thought this journey of miracles was over. That sin and the world had won. Until three days passed. And the stone was rolled away from the tomb. And victory was won that day. Our victory has already been won. Because God proved that nothing can overpower him, and nothing will be allowed to stand between God and his children. And so we come to this meal to celebrate the victory, to remember the sacrifice, to remember the love, and to walk away remembering that we have been called to use our freedom so others may know who Jesus is can be for them too. So Lord, pour out your blessings upon these gifts of bread and wine.
May them be for us the body of Christ so that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. Make us one in ministry with you and with one another until Christ returns and we all feast at his heavenly banquet. All honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. Will our servers and those helping come forward now? And as they come forward, we just want to reiterate that this is the Lord's table. You don't have to be a member of this church or any church to take communion. Because this is a meal that Jesus hosts. And when you come forward, there will be a station at each of the sections And you simply come down the center aisle when you're ready, and you return on the outside aisle. And if you feel led, you can come forward and pray by the altar. You will take communion by someone giving you a piece of bread, and the bread is gluten-free, and then someone will have a cup.